verse 6, it says, But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And Jehovah God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And Jehovah God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made Jehovah God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from thence it was parted and became four heads. And I'll stop there. So, so when God had created the man, formed him of the dust of the earth, he put him in a garden. And I want you to look at this. God planted a garden in Eden. So God put the man in his work. So, so God had a work. And, you know, of course, the work created the whole world, but it specifically here... He, he planted a garden, and he told the man to keep the garden. And, and with, without going to every part of, of, of that particular occasion, I just want to use it for, for where we're going, but the man was to keep the garden, and Adam, of course, didn't keep the work. So, so he was driven out of the garden. So he was so that garden represents something. Alright? In I want this in your mind before we go any further. In John five, Jesus makes a statement to the Jews. He says, You search the scripture. In them you think you have eternal life. But these that's the scripture, testify of me. So when I go back and read the Garden of Eden, in that is the testimony of Christ. It's the testimony of Christ. And, I, and I'll, I'll show you, try to, you, you know, what the Spirit has to show you, but I'll say to you what, I'm, what I mean here in a moment. Isaiah 5, look over to Isaiah 5. Since I got it right here on my computer, I'm already there, so I don't, I don't even have to flip. I've copied it. Just give us some. <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah five. And Isaiah five and one. He says, "Let me sing for my well beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard." All right. I'm gonna stop for a second. Would a vineyard be a garden? A planting. Absolutely. So, so, and then he goes on, My beloved had a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he digged it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also hewed out a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? 
Therefore, wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now I tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. And I'm just going to stop here. So he goes on in verse 7, he says, For the vineyard of Jehovah of hosts, or the Lord of hosts, according to the translation, is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant his pleasant plant. So the vineyard, listen to this, the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. So you start off in Genesis with a garden. God calls Israel a garden, a vineyard. The men of Judah a pleasant plant. So he, so, and he says, what more could have I done for them? In other words, I'm their provision. And what I, what I mean by that, God did everything for Israel. Israel didn't lead themselves out of Egypt. Israel didn't get themselves into the promised land. Israel didn't overcome the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, Philistines. None of that through his own strength or power did Israel accomplish. Everything was accomplished of the Lord. And when the Lord began to reveal himself in Israel, he, he revealed himself at one place as the Lord is my banner or Jehovah Nisi. I believe is the Lord is my banner. And, and as Jehovah Nisi, what does that mean as a banner? I was looking, looking at that last night. And that's like, uh, like, like here in the United States, we would raise the flag of the United States and set it up that, that our victory is based upon the power of the United States. So what, what, they're, what that's speaking of is them raising a flag or a banner, and their victory was based upon Jehovah God. The, the Lord is my banner. So Israel's strength was Jehovah God. And, and he told them, he said, what more could have I done for you? I've placed you into my pleasant field. I've provided all things for you. In Deuteronomy 28, he starts off telling them, if you keep my word, I'm going to bless you coming in. I'm going to bless you going out. Everything here is going to be a blessing. So, so God, again, is speaking. And, and one, one other place I'm going to read back here, and I'll move on. He says in, in, in Exodus 15, I was going to say Isaiah 15, but Exodus 15, he says, Verse 13, Thou in thy loving kindness, Exodus 15, 13, Thou in thy loving kindness has led the people that thou hast redeemed, thou hast guided them in thy strength to thy holy habitation. The people have heard, they tremble, pains have taken hold of the inhabitants of Philista. Philista. Them were... The chiefs of Edom dismayed, the mighty men of Moab trembling taketh hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan are melted away. Terror and dread falleth upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they are as still as stone till thy people pass over, O Jehovah, till the people pass over that thou hast purchased. Listen to this. Thou wilt bring them in and plant them. He's going to do what? Plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. The place, O Jehovah, which thou hast made 
for thee to dwell. The sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established, Jehovah shall reign forever and ever. So God was bringing, you know, what this was speaking of was, was Israel had, had come across the Red Sea. And they were, being, they were coming with the view of going into the promised land. And this was the place not only for Israel to dwell in, but notice what it said, that God had chosen for himself to dwell in. You, you know, we, we, we get so caught up in the land of Israel, in the natural land of Israel, and what made it a land flowing with milk and honey was God was there. The whole, the whole premise of that land was, was God was bringing a people to Himself. That's what that land represented, was a people walking in union and relationship with the Lord. And there in that day, they walked in union and relationship with the Lord through the law of Moses. So God had given the Word and the law of Moses. And if you read the story of, of Israel, they fall through idolatry. Their, their biggest, you know, they fall on a lot of things. But idolatry is the, is the big thing that they begin to regard other gods. They re, begin to regard other ideas than the one true and living God. And, of course, God uh, throws them out of that land. And flip to John 15. So we have a planting of God that's dealing with the children of Israel. And then in John 15... Verse 1, Jesus says, we could just stop right here and be done. <laughs> I am the true vine. So people look for the Garden of Eden, the planting of God, the Garden of God. And they look that someday when, you, you know, we'll go back to a place like Eden. And if you go research Eden, it's dealing with God's garden. That's what it was called, the planting of the Lord. He placed Adam eastward in, in a garden in Eden. And, and, it, and God planted that garden. Well, Jesus says, I'm the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Now, what does the word husbandman mean? A land worker, farmer. So here's the garden of God. Here right before you is the garden of God who is Christ Jesus himself. He says, unless a corn of wheat fall in the earth and die, it does what? Abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth. Notice what brings forth. It brings forth. The seed that comes into the earth and dies is going to bring forth an increase of that seed in the earth. And when you, when you notice Jesus when he goes to the garden of Gethsemane, you know, you start off in a garden and then you have Jesus praying in a garden. And what, what happens there? His, he begins to pray and it says his, that the sweat becomes as blood. 
And so the blood off of his brow touches that garden, and he redeems a garden, if we can hear it, for himself, which is speaking of redeeming mankind for himself to plant his seed in, to plant the planting of the Lord within. And that and see that's the paradise of God. It's the same thing when the man is hanging on the cross. It's in, in the book of Luke. And it says in, 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 the, in the book of Luke, he's hanging on the cross, the thief beside Jesus. And he, and he tells Jesus to remember me in thy kingdom. And, and Jesus is declaring there, my kingdom's present because he said, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. And paradise is speaking again of the planting of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul declares to the believer, says, you are planted together with Him in His death. Why, why, did, why did Paul use words like that? You're planted together with Him. Why couldn't he just say you're with Christ in His death? Why, why do we, you know, you're rooted in Him. Why is Paul using this word? Because the, the, the Spirit of God's working through Paul to bring forth, you, you know, this, this reality of the garden of God. Because the garden is, is, is set to be cultivated, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so that in, in Christianity, sometimes we've been so caught up in the, in the planting of the seed and, and rightfully so. I mean, there's great rejoicing in the planting of the seed. So I don't want to diminish that. But the planting of the seed is planted with expectation of fruit. Amen. And, and so, so the seed and the natural, the farmer, when the farmer puts the seed in the ground, the farmer is looking for the harvest of the seed that he's planted. And so God, as He's planted this great seed, I am the true vine, what's He after? Is He, is he merely after us to get planted? No. Is He merely after the seed to be in our heart? Or is He after the increase of what's in the seed? Amen. And, and, and Jesus says that, speaking of the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is like unto a what? Mustard seed. And that mustard seed is the least among all seeds. But when it's planted, it's the greatest of all seeds. It's going to fill it up. It's going to fill up the space. And that's and that's what the Lord is is you know you know and and I can show other parallels of the Garden of Eden in the Garden of Eden there was a river running through the garden you know and it parted into four heads and and, and as you look at the number four in the Bible and I've recently begun to see this four deals with the whole when you deal with the four you you're, you're like the four winds of the earth or the four corners of the earth you're you're dealing with the whole. And it parted into four heads, so this water was speaking of flowing out into the whole earth. But, but 
hearing that there's a river in the garden, what does Jesus say to the church? Out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living water. So, so here in this place that God has brought you into in Christ is a, a water of life that's flowing out from God. In, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel looks, looks and he sees that, that water flowing out of the temple and is coming out of the throne and it starts off as a trickle. And, and you can even see that when Jesus deals with the woman at the well it shall be a wellspring of water springing up in eternal life. And then another place, he calls it a river of water. There's a difference in a wellspring and a river. And so, so you, you, have an, you have in the relationship with the Lord, you have an increase of God. It's an increase of God that's going on in you by the Spirit of God. As we abide in the vine... This, this, the, the, the root, the substance of what's in the vine begins to fill us up. And that's as we abide in the vine. And so what's not the substance of, of that root, he, he gets rid of it. He purges it, that it brings forth much fruit. So, so if it's not the substance of the vine, he's gonna, he's gonna remove it. So as I abide in him, He's going to remove out of me what, what's not Him. He says the same thing with, in, in the book of Hebrews when he talks about shaking all the things of that kingdom that can be shaken away. And that's what God does. You come into a, a place with God, He's going to shake it up. And, it, and, it's, and, it's, not, and it's not going to just remain like you want it. Because he's after, you know, this is his planting. He's after his own, and that, and and that's and that's where uh, where Christians, uh, uh, you know, and and I'm included in this statement. Sometimes we want God to bless us where we're at, and it's kind of like with with Abraham. He says to Abraham, he says, Abraham, get out. Why couldn't have God just dealt with Abraham, made him a uh, a man of faith in the land of the uh, Chaldeans. Why, why couldn't he just said? No, he, he says, "Get out, and you're going to go to the place that I show you. You're not going to go. You're not just going to go to a place. You're going to come to the place that I show you, and and that's where Abraham traveled to the place that God appeared, and He appeared in Canaan, and ultimately He brought the children of Israel into the place of His appearing. The Lord was there. He literally appeared there. You, you sit and you say, well, what do you mean He literally appeared there? They saw Him come in a cloud, you know, and fill the temple in the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan took on a new identity. It was no longer called the land of Canaan. What did, what did it become? It became the land of Israel. It became the land of, of the prince. Israel speaks of a prince of God. But anyway, in, in all of this, you, you know, the water of life is flowing through us to 
fill us with what He is. And and so so I, I sat and I looked at the Garden of Eden, and all at once I see that you, you know this is none other than the planning of the Lord, and the planning of the Lord is what you've come to in Christ. You've been planted into Christ, buried with Him in His death. And raised with Him in His life. And it's the Spirit of God that makes this real and alive in you. And He makes it real and alive in you through the person of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It's by knowing the person of Jesus Christ that the Spirit of God reveals in you Mm -hmm. that all this becomes real. It's not by knowing yourself. It's not by knowing your own works. And it's the same thing that God did in Israel. It's the provision of the Lord. You come to the provision of the Lord. This is what God has provided. And what's so hard is to realize that He did this Himself. No one else did this. He did it, and we abide in what He did. And that's what Jesus said, unless you abide in the vine, you're not going to bring forth fruit. You're only going to bring forth my life by abiding in me. And, and here comes the, the hard part. What does that mean, abide in Christ? It means something. He wouldn't say it. All right. I open that part up for discussion. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Relationship. Amen. Yeah. Relationship with what he's done, though. See, it's relationship in 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 what he makes real. So, so uh, example. When when I get when we got born again, we had a relationship with God toward new birth, and abiding in that. For me to abide in that was. God had made that real in me. And I had to abide in that. And that may have been all I knew at the time of God. But I'm abiding in what God has made real. But as He, he progresses, the, then, then I'm abiding in what God is saying. I'm, I'm keeping, you, you know, like He told Adam, keep this. I'm keeping what God has said, just like He gave Israel a word in Israel. See, He gave them a word of covenant, which was the law, and He told them to keep the law. Well, He's given us a word of covenant, who is Christ, and He's saying for us to abide in what He shows us. So what's revealed in us by the Spirit of God is what we abide in. So he that is dead is freed from sin. So I, so we abide in If God has shown that to you, we abide in it, that you're Amen. freed from sin. Amen. So you, so sin no longer has dominion over you because Jesus died. Not Again, not because of who you were, but it's because of what He did. And we abide in what He did. We receive what He did. And so, so we begin to walk out of what He did. And that's, that's where the blessing of the Lord is at, in walking in what He did at the cross mm-hmm. in His death, burial, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And see, this is paradise. Mm-hmm. 
if you if you're walking in in union with God, you're you're living in paradise because of 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 the union of God. At that day, you will know I am in the Father, you're in me, and I am in you. That's a pretty good place to be in God. No matter nothing, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing can. So we need to to abide then with the in the understanding of her act. Correct. There's always a constant revealing of himself to us mm-hmm. as we are growing, and to follow out and to give heed and to keep him ever before us, first in our heart, first in our mind, first in our life. Amen. And he is our goal. And as we do that, and then he constantly reveals himself to us, and that that would be that sure. abiding. Amen. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's probably maybe more depth than that, but absolutely, yeah. that's yeah. it. That that's that's it. As as God reveals His word in you, you keep it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You you don't let it go. You hold on to it. And it's and it's kind of like. Uh, you know, Job comes to my mind when when people get have the word of God revealed in them. It's almost immediately something will come mm-hmm. and seek to take away that which you've received. It's almost immediate that there's mm-hmm. uh, there's an operation that comes and and says, "Well, did God say?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, you go back to the garden, and that's what the tempter did. He said, "Well, did God say?" He he poised he posed doubt. Did God really say this? Was this what God said? And and we and we a lot of times fall into you, you know, through through the power of Christ, we can't fall necessarily just fall out of union with God because of what he's done. Right. But but we we can fall into this unbelief. You know, we we say, well, we read we read, and it's one thing to read and another thing for it to be made alive in us. But we read Paul saying that we are dead and our life is hid with Christ and God, and then and then it can come into us. Well, is that real? Is that true? You know it is. <laughs> but it but it'll come right up in us. Is that true? Well. And 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 it's and it's that that abiding in the Lord. Yes, it's true. Yes, this is what He's done. Yes, that that not pearl, not not situation, not starvation, not anything is going to separate me from the love of God. Nothing, because this is who He is. God is love, and nothing's going to separate me out of His love. And because the great love which He loved us, we abide mm-hmm. in the vine. Mm-hmm. So we're going to bear fruit because we abide in the vine. Mm-hmm. All right. Beautiful. <clears throat> Beautiful. It's coming out more clearly today than it did on Tuesday. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. It's just seeing that it's that it's called up in him that 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 Eden 
spoke of Christ, was a testimony of Christ. That that the Old Covenant, everything in the Old Testament is testifying of what God did in Christ. And ultimately there in the garden, there was a tree of life in the midst of the garden. And Jesus comes on the scene and He says, Hey, I'm life. I, I, I am the life. I'm the tree of life. Unless you abide in me.